Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton, and I'm the host of the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. A few weeks ago, a buddy of mine sent me a message, and he was saying, Dude, I have the perfect guest to come on the podcast. She's so awesome. She's a musician. She's an audio engineer. She's worked on movies and video games. And her name is Emma Kramer Rogers. And I said to him, I know her, man. She's family. But you're right. She is really cool. And she does tons of cool stuff. And I should totally have her on the podcast. So I'm going to email her. And then I did. So let's get into it. Emma, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I feel like I haven't seen you in more than a year. It it probably it probably has been that long, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Too long. Yes. What are you doing right now? I I feel like I've lost touch with you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of all over the place. Uh you know, I'm living up in Saskatoon and doing freelance work when I can and audio engineer for CBC by day. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I've known that you've been a musician basically your whole life, but let's presume the audience doesn't know you're a musician. What's your background with music? Yeah, so I have done music pretty much my entire life. I was one of those kids who was put into music lessons pretty much as soon as I could walk and talk. Uh, so I have, you know, played piano for most of my life, some various other instruments. Uh, around 10 years old, I kind of gravitated to the flute, which is now my main instrument. So I did the, uh, you know, played the flute through all of high school, did lots of competitions, uh, went on to study music in university as well and got my performance degree. And then after that kind of took my music knowledge, shifted gears and then did a second degree in audio production and kind of turned that into audio engineering as well as composing. What does audio engineering mean to the uninitiated? I guess, you know, there's, there's a couple different routes you can go with it. So, so I mean, audio, audio engineering or an audio technician is basically someone who runs the audio equipment. They work with the microphones, the, the recording gear, you know, any, anything that you need to, to make your, your music, your movie, whatever it is, sound good. And then the sound designer is kind of a, a, a section of that where you're working with the audio for, um, you know, whether it's movie, video game, whatever it is, you're the one who's implementing everything, mixing all the levels, adding sound effects, creating sound effects, you know, editing dialogue lines, and you're the one who's making everything shine. When it comes to projects, what has been maybe your favorite project you've worked on so far? My favorite project. There's been a number of movies that I've gotten to work on that have been just really cool and a lot of fun. Um, there's a couple that come to mind. So one is a actually Sask-made action movie uh, called Supergrid. Is this thing bulletproof? I don't know. Are you using this car to primarily stop bullets? 
It's a really neat kind of fun post-apocalyptic movie. You're smiling and nodding like you <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so I did a lot of um, audio post-production on that movie. Did a lot of sound effects recording, implementation, editing, mixing. Um, I got to do a lot of work on that movie when I was working at Talking Dog Studios. And it's the type of movie that I would just really enjoy as someone who's watching the movie and so to be able to work on it know that it was filmed and created in Saskatchewan is really neat and then the other one uh that I also worked on at Talking Dog Studios a movie called Distorted what if someone is using this building as um subliminal advertising experiment it's kind of a psychological thriller and the reason I had so much fun with that was just the places I got to took, take the uh, the sound design and the audio engineering um, because there were so many cool things and ways to play with sound to kind of display that this person is going insane and all the all the things that they're going through and the um, you know just just. Yeah, so as she as she kind of takes this delve into insanity, there's there's all these really cool ways that you can use the audio and manipulate the sound effects so that the people who are sitting in a theater and watching and listening to this movie can also just feel that sense of unease and it just really adds to the the movie exper experience and getting to play around with that and really just experiment with all the things you can do and the way that audio enhances the movie experience was just a lot of fun. The reason I was smiling about Supergrid is because Rebellion Beer is featured in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have seen it. it. It's, it's fun. It's silly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a fun movie. It's when uh, you're talking about describing like emotions and stuff, where are you, do you mean things like, um, you're playing with tones to kind of ratchet up tension. Are you playing with things like a water phone where you're, you're making this screeching noise that you hear in like horror movies? Is it all digital or are you making stuff fresh for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, it really, it really depends on the project that you're working on. So let's go back to distorted. So you've, you know, we used a lot of technical glitch sounds. So like, like white noise and static and a lot of things like that and layered them and added distortion and added all these different elements and then used the um, the capacity of a surround sound theater to be able to bounce those sounds around the room and you really just sit in the middle of this and you don't know where it's coming from and it makes you feel uneasy and on edge and a lot of times the person who's sitting there watching it doesn't realize this is what's happening they just know that they feel uneasy and they feel the same tension that they're seeing on screen. Um, but it's really the audio and how you play with the audio that helps create that mood. For lack of a better term, I feel like audio, not music, but the, the, like the sound bed or the features that you might be creating add yeah. a, a texture. Absolutely. Yeah. And a, and a depth. And 
it was really pointed out to me when somebody was saying, go check out Friends, the TV show, when they've removed the laugh track. Listen, have you ever been, uh, you know, fooling around with a girl and uh, started laughing? Yeah, it was 1982 and my flock of seagulls haircut was tickling her chin. Yeah. <laughs> and the show doesn't work anymore. It doesn't make sense. The beats don't hit. The jokes don't land because you've ripped out that audio. That's absolutely true. And it, it's really funny because the average person watching any movie or TV show, like Friends, for instance, they're never going to know. Like, they're never going to consciously think about all the audio that's put in. But as soon as it's gone, you know something's missing. Like, if you, if you see something happen on screen and someone falls or something gets dropped or w whatever it is, like, if that sound effect is there, it's just there and we accept it as what it is. But if it's gone, that's when people notice and that's when people think, oh, okay, no, that, that doesn't really make sense. And then as someone who's working on that, you know, those are the details you have to pay attention to because as soon as someone notices something that's not there, then you've removed them from that viewing experience. A couple of the ideas that I've been kicking around in my head while I was thinking about this episode was asking you if you'd snuck in any classic Foley sounds or audio sounds like the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, that's, that's always the one that uh, everyone brings up. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but I'm sure it happened at some point. <laughs> I also come back to uh, the Deus Irae, which is mm -hmm. the four notes that, that signals death is coming or sounds like death, where it's... Yeah. You can hear it a lot in horror movies. I was wondering if you'd use that one too. No, I haven't used that. There was a video game that I worked on earlier this year um, that we, we kind of snuck in some odes to the original Zelda games, like when you, uh, when you open the treasure chests. That's that's the first one that comes to mind. <laughs> well, what video games have you worked on? Yeah, there, there's been a couple. Uh, so the latest two, uh, there's one called You've Got Mail, and it was done for the Dunlop Art Gallery. It was supposed to be part of an interactive exhibit, which um, unfortunately was never open to the public because it uh, was scheduled to release right at the wrong time, but it is available online. Uh, so that was just a, a really short game that me and some friends put together for the Dunlop Art Gallery. And then there's another one that I have been working on with a Regina video game company. Uh, so Massive Corporation has been uh, working on a game called Queen City Chaos. It's... I've heard about that. All about, yeah, all about life in Regina, which is, it's really neat. It's very, uh, very homegrown game. And so I have been doing all the audio for that one as well. And so if people have gone to any of the um, fan expos in the past year, they've probably seen the, the arcade machine around. I was going to say, I think that's the last time I saw you was when I was at fan expo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right, actually. So that would be about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking about when you're making video game audio? How is it different from, say, film? 
Yeah. So there's a couple of things that come into mind. Like, first of all, 3D and 2D are two different worlds as well in terms of how, how you place the audio and how you center it in the world. And then the thing I really love about making music for video games is I, I find you can have a lot more fun with it because you're not limited to what's happening from point A to point B and so on. You know, the you're, you're creating music that brings a world to life and that brings an environment to life and you can have a lot of opportunities to make the music interactive as well so you can tailor it to what's going on on screen like if the player is doing really poorly you can have have the music uh have the music react to signal that on the opposite spectrum if the player is doing really well and they're can also have layers of music add or subtract to to signify that and I, I just find it's a lot of fun to have those interactive elements and take those things into consideration when you're working on the entire design so you're one of the people that was responsible for making me feel really tense when super mario sped up at the end <laughs> Yes, <laughs> me specifically. <laughs> I'm blaming you. <laughs> or uh, or the, the, the other one, if, uh, if anyone's ever played the old Sonic games, the, the drowning music. <laughs> the countdown to when you're running out of air. That's always the one that gets me. <laughs> We have an old Sega and Cohen gets stuck, specifically my son Cohen gets stuck at the drowning spot and he's yeah. like, dad, dad, help me, help me. Cause the music, it freaks him out too much. And then he, he gets paralyzed and. Yep. <laughs> I feel, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're thinking about video game and you're talking about textures, I think back to this time, uh, one of the, is a Wolfenstein. And this mm, guy basically yeah. hacked the game. So instead of the characters making death sounds, they would play train choo-choo sounds. So every single time you killed someone, it was like choo-choo. <laughs> and, and the game just devolved into silliness. It was no longer this escape from the nazis kind of thing it was oh that would have yeah an entirely different experience <laughs> can you watch video games or movies now or they has the experience been altered for you because in the back of your mind you're like i know how they did that i mean yeah but it's it i find it more enjoyable because i i love to sit there and listen to the things that they've done like especially with video games and a lot of the big titles they have incredible new technology with every new release and it's so cool to listen to these experiences get more and more immersive every year. So I think it's awesome. I love it. What game are you kind of really impressed by lately? Uh, well, the the last game that I really 
just kind of binge played and got really into was the Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm going to be completely honest. I played through the entire game in about five days. <laughs> um, it's COVID. Well, you'll be fine. Yeah, it was, you know, that was the height of COVID. So I'm going to use that as my excuse. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one and, you know, not even just for the sound design, just in general, I thought it was so cool cause I had played the original and there was just this epic story that they were trying to tell. And at the time, the technology just wasn't really there and seeing that world that they had tried to create finally come to life in this new game was just really neat to see. <laughs> one of the things I've noticed are. I recall from studying music when I was a kid was um, there are people and I don't know if for whom, I don't know if this applies to you, but you speak a different language when you've studied instruments. And when I try to explain to somebody about how I'm writing or how I'm editing the podcast, I often dip into the language of music to try and articulate to them. But if they're not a musician, it's it's completely lost. And I'm wondering, do you have that same feeling or same experience? Yeah, I'm definitely really bad for talking to people in technical terms. And they just kind of look at me and, and go, huh? Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. But when you are working with directors or game developers or whoever else it might be and they don't have that same language you learn very quickly that you need to find other vocabulary to be able to communicate in order to work efficiently what do you typically lean into do you try and find a common language that they already understand or do you lean on i'm gonna teach you something that i know no usually um i I like to let them kind of create the language. So whatever whatever terms they're trying to, to work with. And a lot of times it ends up being emotional terms because that's something that we can all relate to. And, and then just kind of trying to figure out what does that mean to each of us. And what's always really handy is if you can find something that already exists that is sort of in the same vein of what their vision is for whatever they're trying to create. And that, that's always handy because it gives you that jumping off point and it kind of steers you in the right direction in terms of what you need to end up creating. One of the questions that was kicking around in the back of my mind, but I forgot to ask because I got so excited <laughs> and distracted about something else was how the heck did you even apply for a movie job? Do you submit a tape or is it a resume? I had done my audio production degree through Berkeley College of Music. I had gone through their distance ed program. And when I finished school, I had a bit of a, a demo reel and just kind of the, the skills that I had acquired through that program and basically just started sending resumes and emails to any studio I could find online. And it just so happened that the first studio to contact me back also happened to be where I was already living. So that was Talking Dog Studios in Regina. And, um, you know, they, they had me in on a 
part-time basis, which eventually turned into a full-time basis. And so I was there for almost two years until they um, unfortunately had to shut their doors. So in that case, it was just a matter of pestering people until someone responded to me. <laughs> I know that working in film is a bit of a tough road to hoe in the Saskatchewan climate, the Saskatchewan marketplace. But it seems like you've been really, uh, not, I wouldn't say lucky, but you've got the talent and the chops, but also lucky enough to, to make a career of it here locally in such a tough uh, environment. I mean, I would chalk that up entirely to the ability of being able to connect with people on the internet. Like that, that's really all it comes down to is, you know, like, yeah, movie sets have kind of dried up around here, but you can connect with anyone anywhere in the world right now. Like right now I'm working on a commission for someone in Los Angeles and that's entirely due to just being able to connect in the inter on the internet, right? Like I've worked for people that I've never seen in person before. And that's just kind of the reality of the way this industry has started to morph. And it's super fortunate that we have the ability to be able to connect with people like that. You could be a hired gun from anywhere as long as you've got uh, some hardware under your belt. Exactly. Yeah. As, as, as you know, as long as you've, you know, you can show that you can do the work, you've got solid demo reels or existing projects or whatever else, as long as you've got those under your belt and you can, you know, be self-motivated and meet the deadlines without having someone who's sitting there watching over your shoulder, as long as you're determined enough to meet those deadlines, you're, you're going to do fine, right? As long as you can just keep making those connections. Have you checked out Animal Crossing yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie, though. I haven't touched it in probably about two months now. So I, I went really hard on it when it first came out. And so I'm sure my island is covered in weeds now and everyone has left. But uh, at one point I was playing it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, talked with Shay Rucker on the podcast a few weeks ago about it. Yeah. He had actually made hats with the Rebellion logo and beach blankets. Nice, and nice. And then it, it turned into a thing where one Rebellion superfan had created the tap room, recreated it, and wow. was able to sell the hats or give the hats away to people who showed up on her island. <laughs> that's amazing. That is so much more motivation than I think I will ever have, but that's really cool. <laughs> when I'm thinking about putting music into the show, into the podcast. I know you're an audio engineer. Mm -hmm. When we're thinking about decibel levels, and this is going to get real technical, <laughs> where do you like to put the person's voice versus the music? Because, you know, you want to be able to hear them, but you also want that music doing its thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. I think sometimes it also depends on the music. Um, cause you know, if the music is really busy or if the final production volume of the music has been cranked up, um, that, you know, and depending on the, the tone of the person's voice that can also have an effect. So I, I mean, really it comes down to what sounds right. There's never going to be like that decibel level that's perfect. It really comes down to what it sounds like, but, but I find 
typically about 16 to 24 decibels below the voice is usually that kind of sweet range for most most produced tracks. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's no magic number, unfortunately, because it's going to be different every time. <laughs> when I'm trying to modulate and layer my voice under music and audio, I found that mm-hmm. I kind of, my sweet spot's about 22, but I'm a soft speaker. But it's way easier to, to manipulate uh, female voices. I just find they they are clearer and cut through the music much better than a masculine voice, which kind of hits that lower register and less, less oomph to it. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Do you have to do that when you're working with movies too? Do you try and do you have to balance male and female voices in the same way or is it all clean by the time it gets to you? Yeah. I mean like a lot, a lot of times the, and I mean, I, I guess it depends who's taking on what role. Like a lot of times the, um, the characters volumes or the actors volumes were cleaned up before they got to my desk. The, the thing I found, you know, and again, again, it varies on a lot of things like, you know, whether or not they were wearing a lav mic and whether or not that was covered with something and which direction they were facing towards the boom pole on set and stuff like that, you know, like all, all these different, elements come into play and that can that can affect uh how how the how the voice is going to be perceived on screen and you know and then again it's it's all a matter of listening there's never some magic trick and there are different ideas that you can put forth and different things that you can change but in the end it's really just about listening because every person's voice is going to have different characteristics one final question, and I don't know if yeah. you can answer this, but I hope you can. Okay. Oh. When I go back and I watch shows, say on Netflix, that were produced mm-hmm. in the mid to late 90s versus shows that are coming out now, I've really noticed, especially with my noise-canceling headphones, that in the 90s, the voices were really tinny and compressed and kind of pitched up where they're, they're lacking that like warmth and depth. And when you hop ahead to today's productions, the audio is much warmer. It has like a nice caramel feeling to it when people are speaking. And I was like, is it just me or is something being compressed here or is something going on that I'm the only one noticing? Maybe I'm going crazy. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like the the audio sound like the the easiest most obvious answer would be the quality of microphones and recording equipment is improving and therefore the the way that we're able to recreate the human voice is also improving so that that would be the most obvious answer but i mean there's so many other things that can co- come into play because um you know around the 90s was when digital audio started taking over everything versus the big analog tape studio. So that could also have, have a play in that as well. And then that was also around the era when, um, you know, the loudness wars started coming into play. Have you heard about that? Why don't we unpack it for the guests? What is the loudness? Sounds good. So the loudness wars is, um, 
You know, there, there was never any real regulations in terms of how loud something could be. And so a lot of advertisers and music producers and things like that, they started realizing if they crank up the final volume of their product or their video that they're sharing to the world, you know, if something's louder, it's likely to get people's attention a little bit more, right? And so everyone started trying to make their music or their videos just louder and louder and louder and louder. And then it was impossible for like TV stations or radio stations or anything to, to take control of this because they'd have to adjust the volume on everything. So eventually we ended up with some standard regulations um, in terms of how loud something can be without, you know, damaging people's hearing when they're listening to it and just kind of keeping everything across multiple platforms at a standard level. Uh, but you can also listen for things too, like some people will notice that if you're watching a YouTube video that maybe hasn't been completely professionally edited in terms of the audio, the uh, advertisement at the beginning is going to be way louder. So you have to turn your headphones down for the advertisement turn your headphones back up again for the video. And it's it's because of how much it's been processed and how much the final volume of that has been cranked up. Hopefully that somewhat answers your question. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love reading about the loudness wars and now getting to talk to you about it. Yeah. It's awesome yep. <laughs> too. It drives me nuts. You're watching a show and then boom, it's like a, a punch in the mouth. Um, I know. I hate it. Allison would be from the other room. She'd be like, turn it down. And I'm like, it, <laughs> it's the stupid commercial that's blasting. It's it nothing to yep, do with me. Yeah. You're scrambling for the mute button, you know? I know. It's like, it's, sometimes you just like have to have it in your hand. You just have to be ready for it. I know that I intentionally edit this podcast to be a little bit quieter than mm -hmm. most other podcasts, just because that's my preference. And maybe it's... yeah where I am in, in my life. I don't want this podcast to be shouting at people in their face. I want it to be an enjoyable uh, experience where you're hearing a conversation between friends enjoying beer rather than being screamed at. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's not really a question. I apologize. <laughs> it's just a statement. It's all good. <laughs> I know I had said previously I had one more question left, but here is my absolutely final question. If okay. somebody's interested in seeing your work or finding out more about the stuff you do, where should they go? Yeah, uh, so I have a website, emmakr.ca, and so it's got my bio on there. It's got all of the movie trailers that I have worked on, uh, some, some demos. I've been doing lots of work for YouTubers lately, I find. And so some of those are up there. Uh, so if you want to listen to my music, watch some movie trailers, those are all up there. I'm also fairly active on Instagram and Twitter, and that is under Ember Belladonna. Emma, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Rebels. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm 
going to include links in the show notes so you can find Emma on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Check out all her awesome music. It's really cool. As you know, we're proud to be affiliate members of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. If you're looking for great shows to listen to that are produced locally, be sure to hop on the network and check out all the new content. As you know, the Sascraft beer scene is always changing, and I'm going to do my best to keep featuring all the new local beers coming out. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untap, so you don't miss out on a single thing. Thank you for joining the Rebellion.